One of the few things that I will definitely ask the client first off is a short list of what they are looking for, definitely, where they plan to use it, what is the usage of the images, what are the ratios of the images. But few other questions that I find are very integral to my business is I ask them to send me their brand profile. And if they have a color profile, I ask them to send me their color profile. I ask them to send me photos of these dishes if they have made them earlier or uh, if it's on the menu already, I need to see them visually. Those are some of the things. And then I would definitely also ask them to send me photos of their interiors. And this is obviously very relevant to restaurant, but I would ask them to send me photos of their interiors and their plates. Hello, hello. This is your host, Dyutama, and welcome to My Food Lens Podcast, where we talk about everything from food photography, styling to business and mindset. After 15 years as an architect, I switched careers and I'm now a professional food stylist and food photographer based in Singapore. I'm also the founder of the business My Food Lens, where we help clients elevate their brand through drool-worthy photos. My motto is, put your best food forward. Well, here on this podcast, I promise to keep it raw and real and hope you find your answers, action and inspiration as we move through the episodes. Welcome to another episode of My Food Lens. And today I have a phenomenal guest and I mean a phenomenal guest who's coming on our show she is a commercial food photographer based in Kuwait. Her name is Kulsum Kuwa and she is just mind-blowing because she is going to leave us with the most energetic and the most valuable conversation you would have ever listened to <laughs> about commercial food photography. We are going to talk about advertising and packaging and how is it different from restaurant food photography and what you can do to set yourself apart as a food photographer what is it that you need to be wary of? What is it that you need to showcase to your clients? How you need to position yourself? What is the technical skills you need? What is the pricing skills you need? Wow. We are going to have one heck of a terrific conversation with Kulsum because she is such a master at it. She has built herself ground up right from scratch in a very competitive market. She's been 10 years into this game and she knows her stuff and she's going to share everything and I mean everything with us. So let's not waste any time. On to Kulsum. Hi Kulsum and welcome to My Food Lens Podcast. Such a pleasure to have you here. You are our first guest from the Middle East. So thank you so much for being here and representing that part of the world, like pinning it on our podcast map. Absolutely love it. Love it. Welcome Kulsum. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I didn't know I'm going to be your first from Middle East. So that's that definitely makes me feel special. It is very special. <laughs> All right. So Kulsum, I'm going to say something like you have to tell me that's true or false. So every time I'm on Instagram, I'm looking through your work, I'm, I'm scrolling and I, I see your work and I see these beautiful styles. I see different styles of photography. They are unique, but they're also like so you. And obviously they're all gorgeous, all beautiful. So that really strikes me. But you know, there's one more thing that I see. I see a very 
dedicated photographer. I see a very serious photographer. I see someone who takes herself very seriously. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. It's just me who's on the other side. And that's the impression I get. So I know that we're going to have a very technical conversation as we move forward. And I want to start with something fun. So tell me if I'm right or wrong. Tell me something fun about yourself. Tell us something interesting that we don't know about you. Wow. Actually, uh, a lot of people who meet me online are really shocked when they know me in person. I'm actually very goofy. Never take myself seriously. I'm like the one person in a group where people laugh with and for all the time. So I always have this conflict about how my work kind of looks way more serious than my personality is. But that's because, you know, I don't use Instagram, honestly, as a personal outlet. It's more for my work. So I don't let my personality kind of and that's not very intentional, but I think I'm kind of a extroverted, reserved person, you know, introvert. So at the first time you meet me, I'm very introverted. And once you get to know me, you will be kind of sick of me. So one thing that people don't know about me, um, I didn't even hold a professional camera until I was 23 or 24. Oh, wow. So, mm. And how long have you been a professional that photographer? I did, so exactly 10 years. I held it the first time. Okay, I think professionally, I would say eight years. Took me two years to actually become serious about it. But I started at around 23, then 25. I thought, this is good. And then uh, I'm here at 35 and I love my job. Oh, wow. Amazing. <laughs> See, hard work, passion. You're a little bit serious about it, though. I can tell. I don't know. Like work, obviously. Um, yes. I kind of grew into my work, started young. I was actually a corporate consultant had some majors in finance. I, I had mm -hmm. masters in finance. So initially I started off thinking that's what I'm going to do. Uh, started blogging at the time. And, you know, blogging 10 years ago was such a great thing. We had a great community. We had a great, great fun at the time. And the more I was blogging, I kind of uh, realized that the important thing that really strikes with me is photography and not the recipe writing. And um, yeah, that's how it started. But I think we are going to, we are kind of off track, aren't we? No, we are <laughs> absolutely on track. We are absolutely <laughs> on track because I definitely want to know how finance, from finance, you went into blogging and then food photography. I mean, numbers versus creativity and art, like they're like, oh, so tell us, tell us, we're totally on track. Tell us how it went. So uh, when I was obviously, you know, it was just one of those things that you study and uh, you think you're going to do all right with that, you know, get some steady income, whatever. But I, once I started blogging, it was not like immediately I was any good at it. You should see some of my previous photos. They were terrible. And obviously at the time I was young and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But the one thing that I'm, my family and me and everyone in my family is kind of passionate about food. So that's where it all starts. Until date, a lot of people ask me, how do you keep doing just one genre for so long? Like it's tiring, um, maybe it's boring after a point. But I say no, because I think it stems for my passion for food. So, you know, from blogging, once I realized that I'm more interested in photography, uh, that's when I started to really build on it and started off as trying to get editorial gigs, which is what I started with. And then... I realized that I need to localize my market. You know, editorial was always more of a U.S. market or a U.K. market uh, and not necessarily a Middle Eastern market. And obviously the money editorial isn't great either. So um, I quickly kind of realized that maybe I should target doing this in the local market. And that's when the restaurant business came in. Um, 
So Middle East is a different market in that sense. The restaurant photography and restaurant menus are very visual driven. So you know how you would have like a menu in Kuwait, almost all restaurants will have an iPad menu and where you can browse through the photos while you're ordering. So that's very common in this part of the world. So that means, you know, there's so many photos that a restaurant would need. So that turned out to be a great venture. I started doing a lot of restaurants, uh, which really still constitutes most of my work. But while, you know, once I developed my skills, I feel in restaurant photography and you know, once you're established, I think you kind of have more confidence. And that's when I started doing commercial advertising, packaging. And these are the kind of jobs that you don't need to do kind of regularly, but you do need them in your bag because they are real money makers. But also that, you know, as a photographer, you need to have that kind of experience in different fields. And it's very different. Like each of these genres are so different. A lot of people ask me, how do you get into it? I, I just say, you just keep learning and doing it because you can't, I wouldn't assume that you could get directly into advertising unless you have some kind of experience in different kind of photography, because I find advertising to be the most complex of all. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of lighting, in terms of editing, just making sure everything is perfect to the T. So yeah, I think as a photographer, you need to cover a lot of this before you end up. And maybe once you establish, you probably, you know, want to get into commercial more than the others. But yeah. Oh, wow. So your love for food took you to blogging and your blogging took you to photography. And today you're like, oh, I like advertising. I like packaging. You're like, you're such a pro at that, right? It's been a long journey. I'm certain it's been a long journey, a journey of hard work, a journey of learning. And I'm sure that a lot of failures as well, of course, (laughs) but a lot of successes as well. And one can tell that by your tone, by your confidence, by, you know, your preferences, one knows that you might have really worked hard to be able to, you know, talk about this, what works, what doesn't work. So I can't wait to have, you know, the rest of the conversation with you. So tell me currently, Mm. do you also, you said that you definitely have a ton of advertising, packaging, restaurant work. How about editorial? Do you do any more or how much is the percentage of editorial work that you're doing currently? Uh, Very interesting question because honestly, when I started, all I wanted to do was editorial. I would browse through all these beautiful magazines and I was like, this is it. This is what got me inspired into food photography was all these photography in the magazines and like Donahe and Gourmet and Delicious and all these magazines were like my Bible, you know, I would just browse through them. I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is what I want to do. But I think eventually, I mean, I don't know if it works differently. Even the cookbook market, I would consider it under editorial. And there's not a big cookbook culture in Middle East. It is not like the US or UK. So for me personally, I quickly realized that this is not going to be a major market for me. I'm still uh, every now and then would get someone like a writer would reach out to me to do their photography is one thing but I definitely don't consider editorial as my main gig Uh, the thing is I think most of the professional photographers that I talk to even those who are not based in Middle East actually like to do editorial as a creative outlet more than anything else you know you want to have that creativity you know that you can take risks there you know you can be um, you can do your own styles so I think editorial is always going to be something I would love to do, but I don't think it's what I would depend on, especially as someone who makes um, their business out of photography. And um, you also mentioned earlier about the different styles I do. And I think that one, I get that a lot. 
because when you come from a blogging background you know blogging is all about consistent style so when i started as a blogger the whole i, I used to love dark and moody which was what really sits well with me uh, when i started and i was doing a lot of dark and moody and i loved it but as i was transition transitioning from being a blogger to a professional photographer i realized that as a photographer i'm not just representing my style i'm actually representing the brands i'm working and that's especially true for restaurants you know each restaurant has a different aesthetic a different branding a different appeal and initially i was to be honest very hesitant to step into other styles because i felt like it's going to take away what is me from the photography but funnily enough like everyone i meet says the same that even if you do completely different styles they can tell it's me so this is one thing i tell uh, upcoming photographers all the time that take this do different things because instagram in general also has kind of pushed us to do this thing where you have a style and you know and i feel like even if you did completely different styles you'll find yourself in it because it's in it <laughs> there's no uh, it's not rocket science you know and so I, there was a point in my career where i was feeling like maybe a bit stuck doing the same thing and when i opened up to the fact that and that it was just the fear of losing your own style you know but once i started doing that i have definitely seen more commercial clients come in because they know that you can move away from editorial it's not like you can just do one style i definitely saw more uh, advertising clients because they knew you could pull off different styles and lighting and that you could create images that could work for print so i generally see that the transition when you're from a blogger to a photographer especially you need to keep in mind as a professional photographer works a bit differently uh you need to be able to execute so many different things and that's not bad thing at all yeah and i think you bring up such a great point because i feel like no matter which style you create it's you mm-hmm. you can't get away from it right you can't look yeah. like two different people it's still going to be you and you can actually embrace different brands different colors different styles of the client still being very true to yourself and i think what i absolutely love about your answer is that once you started embracing that you actually saw more work coming you saw clients recognize that so you were standing out you were stronger as a photographer in the market because you were so true and you were so distinct and that is something i feel like you know photographers always debate whether one should have a distinct style not have a distinct style should you what is the you know threshold or the borderline of that I, flexibility i feel like if as a photographer you are able to pin down your style then that is not a style i feel like there should be something mysterious about how you create something there is always going to be if you give two photographers the same set and the same composite they both are going to deliver it differently and that is it you don't have to pin yourself down to a style to a word to a description and for me personally it has helped my career a lot i've been able to reach out to clients and uh, tell them what i was able to do and i think um, but i mean on the flip side there are bloggers who do the same kind of style and probably they attract a different kind of clientele but for me as a professional photographer who wanted to do everything i mean for me that has worked out really well yeah and style can be anything right style is not mm-hmm. just the kind of photo style it can be your editing your color choices your palette it can be your compositions it can be anything mm-hmm. so i feel like this just opens up such a great way for you know photographers to see opportunities in the commercial world that even if they are being who they are it's not like they're going to lose on to opportunities 
So tell me, yeah. tell me, Kulsum, you, you mentioned right in the beginning that advertising is where the money is, it's where the thrill is, that's where, you know, where the adrenaline is rushing. So before we get into all, everything about the advertising, you said that it's also a bit different. So what is the gear that you use? Are you using, what's your, like, are you using any special cameras, any lights that are different for different kinds of work? Or is it the same gear that you are using for all kinds of commercial work? Um, one of the things that I think people, uh, which is very relevant currently, is that advertising by itself has changed so much. I remember, like, let's say, uh, because I've been in the market for a decade, I've seen so many changes, like, I remember when advertising was uh, had to look very commercial. You know, it needed to look like a very product-centric photography, obviously. And there was a time where the line between editorial and commercial was kind of crossing over, you know. They wanted commercial photos to look a bit editorial, so it's more homey, it's more relatable to the audience. So I've seen that where the advertising yeah. itself was a bit more editorial style. Um, now we are moving into more graphical, hard light kind of look, which is always trying to look a bit edgier than yes, movie, you know. Yes. That's why I would say that things vary so much uh, from project to project. One of the other things that has changed a lot, I do a lot of advertising work, but that's not necessarily print. Even mm -hmm. when you're doing Instagram ads, Facebook ads, or website campaigns, or even that, which is very digital in format, is actually advertising. So no longer you are looking at advertising as a print medium. So uh, when I say I do a lot of advertising, it don't necessarily mean print. You know, it also means a lot of digital. So it really, really varies like how you take your approach for each of them. I remember I actually never ended up using a medium format for any kind of advertising, even though I remember like five to six years ago, everybody was like, you know, if you're doing advertising, it has to be a medium format. And now most of the commercial photographers would agree that the current level of DSLRs are, are perfectly fine for any kind of print. So uh, things have been evolving. I use the same camera. I have a couple of them. I use a Canon Mark III. And I think that worked out well for me for all kinds. I was using Canon Mark III last year and this year I upgraded to the D series. So I feel like the cameras nowadays, and if you are using a good quality, high quality DSLRs, uh, you don't need to change your equipment. What really changes I find is quite different is I think lighting. Uh, generally, when you're doing like editorial or restaurants, the idea is to create photography that's easy on the eye, relatable. Uh, when people are browsing a restaurant menu, the idea is that it looks like what's going to come on their table. You don't want it to look fake or you don't want it to look bigger than it is it really needs to be what it is so the way it is styled the way it is lit is kind of more on the editorial side but whereas when i'm doing commercial these are going to be blown up on bigger screens or the intention is to probably more uh, have more pop more in your face so depending on what the target is you know you probably have to light it in a different way you want it more clarity maybe less shadows maybe more um less blacks maybe you know so it really depends on what the end result is now like i mentioned i feel like i get advertising requests for different mediums so when i'm doing it for instagram ads let's say um then the approach is doesn't have to be as complicated but still there's a certain thing that works on instagram ads versus what doesn't work so your understanding of those as uh, a photographer really helps in bringing out 
the kind of photography you end up doing. Sometimes when I've done billboards, the lighting is much more complicated. Um, usually would have a lighting person to help me on it, um, have more assistance. Uh, you're spending an entire day on one image. Whereas when you're doing something for like social, probably you're doing way more images, not way more, depends again, but I yeah. would say an average of five. Yeah. Um, so there, there's just so much variation. And especially at this point in my career, I feel like every day I'm making very different quotations and very, I'm, I'm pitching very differently to each client because the mediums are so different very so often. So you're, you're mostly shooting with artificial light, am I right? Yeah. And what kind of artificial yes, light right. are you using? So I, I use a pro photo. That's the brand that I started with. And, the, you know, the lighting companies, they generally know how to pull you in because once you buy a couple of lights yep, from them, yep. then you buy, <laughs> uh, how do I go back? So I don't necessarily say that that brand is the best. I mean, honestly, there have been such great lower range uh, lighting now uh, than pro photo, but I've been stuck with it for years and it's a good, I mean, obviously it's a good brand. So, but in terms of modifiers, again, very very different from each campaign mm -hmm. um, yeah so, uh, uh, there is no fixed route to take but definitely there are a few must-haves that we can discuss which i feel like when you're starting into photography whether it's editorial or commercial there are some that can easily be the most used and probably get you more work out of it than others i love pro photo by the way i am a loyal pro photo <laughs> user <laughs> And I, again, <laughs> oh, I not to promote, but it's just, it's magical. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> so, yeah. But tell me one thing. We're talking so much about the advertising work. Can you just kind of explain our listeners what you would define as photography for advertising? Like what would categorize as advertising work? Um, I think it's interesting. Yeah. I feel like anything that is being used for promoting in the, in the sense, I mean, obviously everything is promotional, but something that has bigger reach or trying to reach a bigger audience, an audience they probably don't already have. So when someone is going on a billboard, for example, that's advertising because they are trying to reach much more and a bigger audience. When you're putting on an Instagram ad, you are trying to attract more followers or more people to look into your work. So I, I consider all of that advertising. If you are um, doing, um, even if getting into print, but you are using it to, uh, you know, restaurants often have ads in magazines as well. So I feel like anywhere where you're trying to reach a greater audience is advertising. And that is, again, kind of, you know, the rules can be so, um, like I said, you know, sometimes people don't even consider Instagram ads at advertising. When I'm mm -hmm. reaching out to they will say, oh, no, it's just for Instagram. But I'm like, what are you doing with it? What are you trying to reach? What kind of audience you're trying to reach? Uh, there are new developments in the in the field. And there's so many more questions because just because it's Instagram doesn't mean that it doesn't have that reachability. Probably yeah. it has more reachability than a magazine uh, in today's world. So should your pricing should be similar to how you were in print and the same for social ads. So there's a lot of conversation around this. And um, I think it's going to take us, obviously, Social is already a very established market, but it's going to take us a little few more years for people to understand that this is the new advertising. You can yeah, no longer tell a photographer. You can't tell a photographer that, oh, it's not for print. Why are you pricing us so high? You know, so, um, yeah, that's a conversation. 
No, and if COVID has taught us one thing, it is like digital is the way to go, boss. You know, that's the one thing that is for sure come out of COVID. And so print is definitely, print media has actually you know, you know, gone down sorry. a little bit. And so digital is definitely the order of the day. But yes, tell me. I was also saying even the screens are getting digital, right? So the I, I think increasingly print is definitely not going to be uh, around for long, however sad that sounds. But a lot of my billboard ads are actually digital now. Yep. So um, the the way editing works for print versus digital is also start slightly varying. So based on these screens and the technology and how this is going to develop, it's going to, you know, as a photographer who's in this business, you have to constantly know these things, know how things are changing, how technology is going to change. Obviously, for me personally as well, I find this as a learning curve. Whenever there are new screens, I kind of am always a bit skeptical how it's going to look on this kind of screen or this kind of digital screen. So yeah, there's always a bit of learning there. Singapore actually has a very similar food, mm-hmm. um, I would say food portrayal. I don't know how to say it. So like you said that it's very visual. So even here in Singapore, even if you look at a menu card, you're in a hawker center, street side you will have a little photo, especially because a lot of dishes are in Mandarin, you know, so they'll have the name, but they'll definitely have a little picture. And all the hawker centers, all the street markets have a digital sign, which has Mm -hmm. at least 10 of their dishes photographed and put over there. So it's very similar, I feel. So the one thing that I, and you can tell me if you do the same. So the one thing I definitely ask all my commercial clients is Mm -hmm. if we are printing menu boards, that's a question that I definitely put on the table is, are you printing it or is it going on a TV screen or is it like a banner so that, you know, you know, your proportions, you know, whether it's high risk, low risk colors, how it's going to pop. One of the questions that you most definitely ask your clients as well. Definitely. That's one thing you have to have to ask. There are so many questions, actually. Uh, once I'm, once I get a request from the client, the first thing I would ask them. So I have to keep in mind one thing that I'll mention before. We talk further about this, that I kind of am in a market where a lot of things were not set in stone when I started. 10 years ago, when I started, I didn't know any other food photographer. There were food photographers, but they were also photographers who were doing other things. So they didn't specialize in food. So I've never kind of learned anything from someone who has been doing food, you know, at least not one-on-one. Obviously, we are always learning from things we research and we watch and the courses or whatever that would be. But there's nothing I've learned one-on-one from people. So a lot of things that I do now, I'm not sure if that's a standard, but that has helped me work out the way I do. Uh, One of the few things that I will definitely ask the client first off is a short list of what they're looking for, definitely, where they plan to use it, what is the usage of the images, what are the ratios of the images. But few other questions that I find are very integral to my business is I ask them to send me their brand profile. And if they have a color profile, I ask them to send me their color profile. I ask them to send me photos of these dishes if they have made them earlier or uh, if it's on the menu already. I need to see them visually. Those are some of the things. And then I would definitely also ask them to send me photos of their interiors. And this is obviously very relevant to restaurant, but I would ask them to send me photos of their interiors and their plates and their tables. So um, in the get-go, this might sound a bit too much to us of a client. So you do need to take them in confidence, ask them for a set of questions, get that and understand whether this is a brand you want to work with. And, you know, it is something you can do well. 
Uh, then when I tell them that, yes, I can send you a quote and we can work on this, then I said, send them the second set of questions. Because I do find that people find it overwhelming to get a lot of questions at first. Especially like if you're not working with an agency and you're working with a client directly, the client might not be used to this kind of questions. Though an agency might know that these are the questions you need to ask. But a lot of times my clients are direct clients. So I do that one by one just so that they feel confident and they don't feel overwhelmed with the amount of information they have to provide me. So I think you might not have had a standard, but I think this is fantastic. I think this is such good practice because it just gives you, you know, as a photographer, such good direction. You can actually get into the skin of the brand, you know, before you even step in for the shoot, you know exactly how to feel like them, you know, what they want. So you actually have an edge as a photographer because you have read their mind through their products, through their photos, through their food. So this is such a great tip. I love that answer. So just on that same note, tell me your process a little bit more. Let's say you get a yes from a client. So definitely one of your, your you know, first few steps are getting all this information, the brand, the marketing information from them. But what else? What's next? What's next? And what happens until like, what are your different milestone steps until the shoot happens? Walk us through that. Sure. So generally, uh, how it would work is once they have sent me all these details and let me put it out there, a lot of clients will not give you all the details. And those are the red flags that you probably shouldn't work mm, for them. Interesting. Um, because I feel that if a client or an agency or whoever is not invested enough to create something for their brand, which is worth the value and they're not providing you that information, I feel like that's for me, that's an initial red flag that probably this is not going to work out because I do feel that the client needs to be invested in the project. Um, and that's the only way to create good work. And in the past, when I had made the mistake of taking up such clients, I ended up realizing that neither sometimes, you know, the clients might not be satisfied with your work because they assume that you would do their work. You know what I mean? Uh, they didn't give you enough input. They didn't give you enough uh, mm. time, space develop something and then it doesn't work out well for either of us so right. i have realized that this is the first step and if it doesn't work out well it's probably a good red flag that this is not going to be a good client mm -hmm. um okay there's one more thing i would like to mention i do work as an art director creative director as well i do work on projects but i'm not the photographer and just the creative director so this is something Again, I think this comes from my blogging background and that I've learned so much about branding and marketing over the years. I love to get into the skin of a brand. This is very much part of how I function. Um, I just realized that even when I'm doing photography, I'm actually acting as a creative director. So that's when I realized that I need to divide these two works and be able to tell the client that this is actually not my job. So um, because I'm mostly the creative director on these projects, I also tend to um, get all these details. Maybe it doesn't work for every photographer, though I don't know how a photographer would be able to work without getting into this. Exactly, true. <laughs> so I was saying that after this, uh, once I have all this information, I generally tend to ask my clients to send me five to ten images. So this might seem like a lot of times, you know, you, the client, again, if it's an agency, this goes without saying, but you know, if you're working with the client directly, I tell them to send me five to 10 images, which I feel, or they feel represents their brand. 
a lot of times, mind you, I come up with clients who are not comfortable with this. They don't know where to look for a certain style or they don't know how to set a mood board. And to make it easier for them, I tell them that the images could be anything. It doesn't even have to be food. It could be a clothing, it could be fashion, it could be anything, but it should feel like it would belong to your restaurant or to your brand. It should just feel like it is part of it. And sometimes that makes it easier, you know, like if a client is more fashion oriented, they send me photos of fashion and um, that might sound very vague, but it really gives me an insight on how and what actually works for them, what style works for them, what kind of colors are working for them. So once they send me this initial images, sometimes I give them a range of five to 10 so that, you know, the better ones will send me 10. The ones who can't at least will have five images. And after this is when I would create my mood board. Now I have understood their brand. I have understood their colors. I've understood their style. I've got an insight into the aesthetics is when then I create a mood board for them that these are the colors we are going to use. This is the style of lighting we are going to use. This is how the images look. This is how, whether we are going on a minimal side, are we doing uh, deeper colors? Are we doing light colors? Are we doing fun? Are we doing colorful? So those then goes into the mood board. Once that mood board goes across, the client tends to approve it or not. Uh, whatever changes they need to make is the discuss. This is the point where we discuss everything. A lot of times, since I said I work as a creative director, if there are any, any kind of production required, that is a discussion that then we have. Who are, how are we going to produce the props, the sets? Uh, is the client taking care of it? And uh, sometimes we act as a production as well. Then I hire a team to execute that production. If the client wants to execute it themselves, then we help them get that done. Really depends. And once all that is, is in place, we decide on a deadline, when to get the shoot on. And then based on how complicated, because I've been part of the whole process, then I can tell them that this is the amount of time I'm going to take to edit it, whether whether it's going to go out to a retoucher or not. Um, so yeah, that's that's when, and being involved with the brand so closely really gives me a upper hand on understanding um, how much and what will go into it and how much time it's going to take. So I think that works. That is usually how my projects work. Boy, is that exhaustive. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> and I'm sure your clients love you for this. I mean, that, right? It does. I mean, this is exactly it what does. They want. Uh, but don't forget to charge them for it. Well, they don't forget to charge them for everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then when I started off, I was so passionate about brands and branding and and direction and art direction, and I wanted to do different photography every time I took up a client. And, you know, for me, that was exciting, you know, and I didn't realize that this was so much work that actually a photographer doesn't need to do and they could actually hire a creative director and they could hire a production team. And But luckily, soon enough, I figured out that I could actually, and then obviously I hire people based on the project, not that I'm doing it alone. Um, I would hire a food stylist. I would hire uh, someone for production. I'm still honestly looking for someone in creative direction, but I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning to delegate these jobs. And because I feel like I was doing so many things, I didn't realize that this is what is meant to be done by different people. And this is one thing you learn in photography as you grow, depending on what your, your interests are. Like my interest is creative direction. 
I realized that I could actually scale the business up, that I don't just need to work as a photographer. I could add a whole team to this. Mm. Um, so yeah, that is the direction I'm taking currently. And you mentioned that you liked, you know, from the beginning, you were very, you were really looking to work with a range of clients. So tell me a little bit about how, you know, when you stepped into the market, uh, you went from blogging to photography. So how did you reach out to clients? How did you find these clients? Or did they reach out to you? Did you pitch to them? Or was it word of mouth? Like what worked for you? How did you find these clients? Initially, honestly, I remember once uh, when I was still blogging and um, I knew I was a decent photographer. I wouldn't say I was a good photographer at the time, but I knew that it's not so bad. And, you know, at the time we used to do these photography contests and whenever I used to submit my photos, I knew I was, I was not bad. I just knew that this could work. So that was the only amount of confidence I had in my work at the time, to be honest. But I remember writing emails all the time. Um, once I started to, re- I, th- I was still doing a bit of editorial, but I wanted to get into the restaurant business, uh, restaurant photography. I wrote to probably a hundred restaurants once. And um, that's it. I remember never that's listening. It? Just a hundred <laughs> restaurants. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. <laughs> but the thing about me was at least now I appreciate that I had that much of wisdom that I did pick restaurants that I really would want to work with. I didn't, I didn't really just do a mass restaurant. Let's target anyone. I remember picking out each restaurant. Uh, some of them were just not Kuwait based. Some of them was based out of Kuwait. They were Middle East based, but I was quite, um, I did put effort in finding the restaurants that I did want to shoot for. So I think that is necessary. You know, when you're doing this kind of cold pitching and marketing, be selective. Don't make this generic email that goes to everyone. Um, Not only is it going to be a waste of your time and resources, you are wasting your time in the wrong place a lot of times. So when I wrote this email, I remember I got back responses only from a few, honestly. And somehow those didn't even work out. Like 99 Um, of them responded back, right? (laughs) <laughs> I'm just kidding. One of them didn't work out because I think I remember it was because of the pricing, and mm. um, I was obviously so my pricing wasn't high, but they didn't think that uh, that pricing was even fair for them. But I kept I remember I kept cold pitching actually, and then once a restaurant actually I I got a shoot from a restaurant and. It happened to be one of the best restaurants in Kuwait at the time, Um, which was perfect for the kind of timing it was, the kind of following that restaurant had, the kind of interest people had in it. So that turned out to be a perfect timing. And then from there, I think once you do a restaurant photography for one client, then um, it was just easier for me to be. I think the confidence from a photographer makes all the difference. And then there was other restaurants and there was other restaurants. And soon enough, I was getting commercial clients like Applebee's and Taco Bell. And then I did stuff for Costa. And, and then, honestly, I, I, I don't think anything can replace just the grind of it all. You know, you have to start from it, scratch and grind and grind and grind and then shoot for maybe 50 restaurants before someone takes notice and then the confidence to pitch you know to a brand a commercial brand um so the range of clients actually grew that way when i started with restaurants 
And then I was confident enough to pitch to some of these commercial brands. Then I got one of those gigs and then I got another. And then packaging just happened from word of mouth because, well, I think once you have a bit of name in the market, uh, it gets easier to get into the work. I don't currently cold pitch as much or um, pitch as much, but that's not to say that I don't. Usually during the summer months when the work is slower, um, then I tend to, what I like to do now, because I feel like it changes. Like when you're starting off, you're pitching in a different way. When you have some certain level of clientele, you're pitching in a different way. 10 years into the business, how I like to pitch now is to come up with a total idea. I come up with a total creative strategy for a brand. That's what I pitch now. I pitch them that this is how I think you should have your visuals. This is how your market should be. So I think now my pitching is very different from when I started. I give them a whole strategy of how your visuals need to look. Uh, and so I'm no longer just acting as a photographer, you know. So I'm giving them a very brand strategic, how your website photos should look, how your the menu should look. If you're doing an ad, this is how your brand should look. So my the way I'm pitching is much more complicated now. I really like that because I feel like, first of all, I have to say that, you know, if someone has to take away something from your answer, I think the number one is that pitching has to be very customized and tailored and it has to be very specific to the person you're speaking to. The brand has to feel like you are talking to them. And then if you can add that level of, you know, up your level of customization and tell them exactly what could enhance and, you know, take their brand to the next level, then they feel like you're personally invested in them, that you're interested in their brand, and then automatically you've caught their attention. So I feel like those are like just absolutely wonderful takeaways from your answer. I love it. But tell me one thing, Kulsum, like you obviously have worked with hotshot brands, right? Like Applebee's, Deliveroo, Casa Coffee, like these are fantastic names, but you obviously didn't start there, but you you said that you had dream brands and you wanted to work with some big brands. So how do you think that photographers today, especially those who are starting out a few years in, how do you think they can work with big brands? Like, are there certain set of skills that they need? Is there, what, what do they really need to have to be able to have the confidence to work with them, to reach out to them? I, I think I kind of touched up uh, on earlier. I think you should know where you stand. And this is not a bad thing. When you start off, you uh, obviously I've done this mistake, so I can tell you now about it. Is that, you know, when you are starting off, you are dreaming big. Obviously, you want to work for big brands. You want to go directly, you know, the top brands. Maybe your skill set is not there yet, you know. So I think it's very important to understand where your skill set is and then target your audience and your client accordingly. If you are just starting off, and the, the fact is there's market for everything. There's market for every level of photographer. It's not that you're not capable. It's just that as you're going to grow in the market, your skills are going to... I cannot look at my images 10 years ago and think that I could pitch it to big brands. And I would see why they wouldn't accept it, you know? So I feel like being aware of the fact that where your skill sets are and then find appropriate clients is the best way to grow because you're going to have client which is going to value your work and you're going to be happy delivering your work to that client. And that confidence, that confidence of client being happy and you being happy with your work is going to give you more confidence to keep growing. And then you're going to work harder and then target on the next level of client. And eventually, I think you feel like, okay, now I think I'm good. Maybe I should work commercially on bigger brands. And then with that confidence, when you reach out to them, 
not only your skill set is there your your confidence is there so don't try according to i mean whatever i understand is don't try to go big directly work with your market work with your immediate market work with people who are interested you know local cafes local restaurants local magazines bloggers because that is going to give you so much confidence because when you try to reach the top without having that skill set it's going to be so hard on your confidence i mean you can say otherwise but if your skill set is not there you're never going to feel like you can execute it well and i think it's also so important to kind of study your client's work you know in that sense that if you are dreaming of a certain brand you most definitely have to see what's their level of work that they are expecting from a photographer and then see whether you're matching it or not and i love your point about confidence i feel like small little steps add so mm-hmm. much they add so much they just build your self esteem and you also learn so much in the process what you want to ask your clients what you don't i still remember that when i was just beginning food photography commercially i had an opportunity to work with a michelin star restaurant and oh. i know how i was shaking because imposter syndrome hit me like crazy and i thought why would they ever want to work with me and so the confidence it was very early on and obviously they saw something in the work but my confidence was not there it didn't work out for other reasons licensing and things like that but the point was that i totally get your point that you know it's so important to be able to just feel happy like if you have a big brand that comes to you you're like yeah let's do it versus oh my god oh my god oh my god has this you know so the confidence you know, is I like you like that <laughs> never kind of goes away like having that little bit of fear is a good thing but yeah having said that i mean not that you shouldn't be reaching out to bigger brands is not what i'm trying to say i'm just trying to say have a good assessment of what your work is like what they are expecting and then go for it it's going to help your confidence so much and that's i mean that has um that will build your confidence and the confidence would be built on real skill set you know uh, and when you have worked with smaller brands um, to begin with there is a bit more room for error right so there mm. they, a lot of times i remember when i was starting out there were photos i was in 100% happy and when you are on restaurant it's not like you have a lot of chance to yeah. redo stuff you know and i remember i wasn't happy but the client was very thrilled with the image So I'm not saying that let that pass but you have a little room for error versus you are working with a big client and they tell you that that's not good enough and you don't know how to better it that's going to affect your confidence but having said all of that having said all of that you will still have those moments you will still have those moments when you feel like you don't know anything there're going to be moments when you feel like oh wow I did a great job that's all the part of growing and becoming better at your work The other thing that I certainly like this is again my very personal opinion is that I feel like you know many times when we work with big brands we feel obligated we feel like they're mm-hmm. doing us a favor that wow they hired us you know oh my god it's a huge opportunity definitely for us but we begin to at some points compromise and we start like okay you know mm-hmm. if there's a negotiation of fee we might give in a little bit if there's a little bit here and there then we might feel like they are doing us a favor but i feel like the more secure you are in who you are what your process is it definitely gives you your stand and i feel like the good clients the right clients recognize that and respect that for sure do you agree 
totally totally that's exactly what i'm and i mean obviously i'm going around the bush and said it right away <laughs> but what i mean that you need to build that kind of confidence and the you need to that kind of security in your mind and in your work and that's going to help you so much to reach out to bigger clients as you grow so tell me kulsum a little bit like let's get into a little bit of the technical stuff you know you said that a lot of your advertising work is like mixed media you know sometimes it's print sometimes it's digital so i feel like a lot of photographers feel really <laughs> nervous about having their work in print like as thrilling and lovely as it is which is also part of why people love editorials you know they love to be in magazines because you see it in print but also the moment that someone tells you that hey we're going to print this on a billboard you know people like photographers can break out into cold sweat because you have to make sure that every single detail is right the resolution is right so tell me whenever you are creating work for printing like big size prints what do you think photographers really need to pay special attention to um at least that was one of the main things i learned was that you know when you're working for digital there's a lot of room for post production and correction if you were underexposed or your shadows were not exactly how you wanted it you could work around you know in post and you feel like it's you know it works out pretty well for digital but when it comes to print i feel like you need to make sure your light your highlights your shadows are exactly where it needs to be because the minute you're kind of changing that a bit and not to say that the print media is obviously also edited and highly edited in, in certain cases but your lighting really 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 for print needs to be on point a lot of times for digital you know sometimes when you're working for long hours and you might have a photo or two that you're not very happy with in terms of lighting and it it kind of not that difficult to fix but when it comes to print i would definitely make sure and that's why print is expensive that's because it takes more effort it takes more people it takes more meticulous work to make sure that you know your lighting is exactly where it is especially your highlights like i have a big thing on highlights you know where your highlighting is so key because paper in that sense is only reading those things in the most minutest way so you really need to do that other than that obviously how you um you need to have the best resolution just make sure that the, the there is uh one thing i've learned the hard way is to make sure your lens and everything is sparkling clean and again that you can get away in digital but not necessarily on print make sure that your screen is color corrected so those things you know that's what makes print more um nerve-wracking because there's there's less room for uh correction later and also that your food is in complete focus <laughs> which is a big mistake that happens as well right especially those who use autofocus oh my god that is honestly the biggest nightmare you you print it you blow it up and they're like oops <laughs> so i guess i think most of my uh, editorial work or restaurant work there's not as much focus sacking and stuff but when you come on commercial you're definitely getting into focus sacking and making sure each part is talk shop so yeah the other things which make the best and the worst of print you know uh, that's what it makes it nerve-wracking but also so fulfilling absolutely when you see it go up that wall when you see it take up that space and you walk along it and you're so tiny and that burger looks like double your size you're like oh i clicked it you know i shot it like you yeah. feel so proud it looks <laughs> amazing 
So let's talk about packaging. Let's talk about packaging also. Like, you know, you said that you had transitioned and packaging was like a next step, a next level of photography for you. Tell us a little bit about uh, maybe a first packaging project or how did you start getting into that realm of photography? So packaging for me, um, I think it happens at least once a year. I don't do, I don't think I have more than that uh, packaging work, but the, th- the fact is this, it's a major, majorly different scope in that sense. And the pricing is very different for packaging. Licensing is a bit more different. Together, it just, for me, I think it just happened organically. I don't think I have, um, obviously, um, pitch when, when there's something, a requirement in the market, I just pitch for it. So my portfolio and, um, packaging can also, again, just like a more, commercial work can be different i've done a commercial packaging work which was very like white background kind of photography and then i've done something this is which is more on the uh, commercial side more like how you would do for a fast food brand and then packaging which was actually more editorial in its style Mm -hmm. so all these styles are so overlapping now yeah depending on how the brand is trying to place itself. I'm sure you have seen a lot of frozen products which are similarly shot in terms of uh, edit. It looks more editorial as if you're doing it yeah. from a magazine yep. photo. It differs uh, quite drastically. The other thing, just like what goes in print for packaging, the same thing I would believe. I would call commercial and advertising in a similar bracket uh, in terms of how I work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, lighting is a bit more complicated. Definitely, the editing has to be a bit more on point. A bit on point, I would definitely just mean that there are more things in focus. When the client will give you specs of this needs to be in focus and this needs to be in focus, and you have to work around that. Another actually important thing with packaging, and to a certain degree, comes the layouts. Uh, you would have a layout to work with. So generally, I would overlay that layout while I'm shooting so we know that things are perfectly in place. Uh, when I say layout, I would mean like advertising uh, the final graphical layout that they need. You always mm. want to make sure that you mm-hmm. have that ready and you have from the client. So when you're shooting, you're laying that image and you know that everything is perfectly placed. And if it's sometimes just a quarter of an inch, placement but their text overlaps it then the, the, the photo makes yeah and obviously that can be fixed uh, you might have to spend more time in photoshop <laughs> but getting that right really helps the process really makes the image stand out so that's one important thing i think for packaging is to make sure the layout and a lot of times at least in the past it has happened with me where the client is like oh but our layout is not really finalized yet can we just work with a photo and work uh, around it and I've said no you need that layout first and do the shoot because it's just going to complicate my life later because if they said that this doesn't need to be here and can we move it here and can we move it around it's going to take so much of my time that's probably not in the quotation so make sure that they have a layout ready when you're doing commercial and packaging work and do you also like within your scope of services, do you also design the packaging for them or do you provide just the visual image and then they have an in-house designer or they have another designer who will go ahead and do the final layout and how it's uh, going to be printed? Or do you offer that as a service as well? 
No, 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 not at the moment. And I don't think that's going to be my area of expertise as well. So there is a designer, generally, whether they are hiring them or whether it's in-house, who will have this layout ready. Make sure to get them a PNG. I take a PNG from them or a JPEG. And if I'm shooting capture on capture, I would overlay it, um, the image. And um, if they decide to change anything in the layout later, this is something I would specify in my contract that then the image uh, cannot be drastically changed. That They have to stick with the layout and they cannot expect me to change it around for them. So these are the smaller things, you know, that are important in packaging um, because a lot of times there are small things that they want to change. And if it's affecting the design, they will have to do a reshoot. And uh, I would tell them that they cannot play around with the image because then, you know, it's not going to look its best if they moved it around, they cropped it around. Uh, so these are the smaller things which I'm more specific about when I'm yeah. working in commercial packaging, which you don't necessarily have to do as much when you're in restaurant or editorial work. Yeah. and. So tell me a little bit about, you know, is there like any kind of different lighting that you use when you're shooting for packaging? Like you, you definitely said, like for advertising, if you're, you know, printing billboards, then, you know, where your highlights are falling and your brightness and your colors and all of that matters a lot. So how about packaging? Like, is there something special, a special kind of light, a special kind of gear that you need, any special kind of skills that you need, any special kind of eye that you need? Like, what is different? Mm -hmm. Um, again, would vary from project to project, but in general, I would say packaging would require you to light things in a way which makes the product stand out more than anything. When you're doing editorial, it's also a lot about the aesthetics. It's about the style. It's about colors. But when it comes to packaging, it's really just very product centric. So you need to show, make sure that your product is lit well from mostly, again, not quote unquote something that I would do for every client, but you know, most of the product is very clear and visible in the product. So you don't necessarily, for example, might need two lights or three lights. And maybe if it's a burger, you need to make sure it's more defined from all directions. Whereas if I did editorial, I would more leaning towards something that is more visually uh, mood, sets a mood rather than sells the product. So there are two different uh, approaches to it. You know, yep, one would yep. sell a product and one would set a mood. So I think packaging is generally how you're selling the product. So your lighting, it generally I would go on a lighting set for such a thing with at least the options of three to four lights based on the product and how I'm going to light it and how complicated the lighting gets. Um, sometimes, you know, like when you are doing editorial, the things at the back are generally ten tend to be lit in a different way. But maybe for packaging, you want all of it in your face and sharp and well lit so you might have to light parts of the set with different lights and not necessarily one light so and that's why packaging and commercial is priced differently versus your editorial because there's more complications to such shoots and also the value i would say the reach of your work, mm -hmm. I guess that is more as well, right? So if I had to give you, you know, we, do, we don't have to get into numbers, but if you, you tell me if I'm right here. So would you say that in terms of the mm -hmm. fee, if we go in ascending order, then we start with restaurant work and then advertising is a bit higher fee and then packaging is probably the highest compared to the three. Would you say that's right? That's right. That's a fair um, scaling. but 
also keep in mind that sometimes um, when you're working for a restaurant, for example, on a day rate, I am probably delivering them way more number of photos versus when I'm doing a commercial photography. That would be like one or two images sometimes, or depending on what the project is. So the way you price them can also differ based on that. Like if you're doing a commercial project for one banner is quite different versus I'm doing commercial work for a brand for five Instagram ads. So even though I would consider that commercial work as well, but the pricing could be different. Mm. I could be doing a restaurant menu for three days. It yeah. wouldn't be a one day yeah. shoot. It's a yeah. long menu. Maybe I'm three days on the shoot. So maybe I actually made more money on that restaurant shoot than I did on that one commercial shoot. So keeping the, obviously there's also more effort in a three day shoot, but probably not depending on how complicated. So that's why I always tell that there is, depending on how you work around the market, there's money equally in restaurant business as well. Because yeah. here you're talking about bigger menus. And also that most of my restaurant work actually have been my clients for years. So when you look at them for over a long period of time, restaurant business has got me also a good amount of income when compared to commercial. So commercial is more like you make that money one time in good time and that one year it sets you up for a few months. A restaurant is more repetitive. The menus change. There's often an update in a menu. So you do get hired more often in restaurant photography as well. So I also see restaurant photography as commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like it is a commercial purpose. So I kind of put restaurant photography as commercial photography. What would you refer to as commercial photography? What is that for you? Actually, uh, you're right. Actually, that is commercial as well. It's just that for me, when I'm thinking of commercial or talking about commercial, I'm thinking about fast food brands and uh, franchises, which kind of use images for campaigns or billboards. uh, Mm. But then there's an overlap of Mm. commercial and advertising. Ah, okay. And then also, Kulsum, you mentioned something about, you know, the some of the important terms that you put in your contract. And one of them is reshooting, adjusting images, things like that. But can we talk a little bit about license? You know? The mm-hmm. license that you would give a restaurant if they are just coming up with a new menu is so different from a client that is hiring you to shoot their entire advertising range and then someone who is hiring you for packaging, right? So how does the fee, how do you think the fee changes, especially when it comes to packaging? Because packaging is so high value, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? This is a very interesting topic for me because when I started in Middle East, I realized that obviously it's not a language I speak. I don't speak Arabic. And uh, I didn't really understand as much about the laws here or, you know, what kind of contracts. Obviously, as I grew into the business, I got a lawyer in, got my contracts in place. But initially, I, I did kind of understand and the market was also quite immature. And I didn't think people really understood the value of licensing. I've done a lot of work, which was never licensed in the beginning. And especially for a restaurant, you would believe that you shoot for them. They use their images. And that that's all my mindset was, you know, when I was starting off. Uh, so like you mentioned, it actually varies a lot over the years. And even more recently, I've realized that the licensing market is kind of reducing because the amount of images people are kind of creating and are willing to create for you. And how often these images are becoming irrelevant 
is quite different now versus let's say 10 years ago. Like when I'm working with a client, let's say a commercial client, I don't think most of them really want to use them three years or two years down the line. I don't think they do. And the fact that there's such an upsurge of photographers and the market is changing so dra- drastically, I don't think they want to actually see value for paying high amount of licensing to keep them for long. At least that's my experience. They would rather just do another shoot in another two years down the line than to actually use the same image for a longer period of time. So now when I talk licensing with clients, they're quite okay with it. They're like, okay, we'll just buy the licensing for a year or a two. Nobody in my recent work is actually bought want licensing rights for that. Uh, they would rather just hire me all over again. Um, not that the amount is same, but you know the market is changing so rapidly and visuals are changing so rapidly. The way people consume is changing so rapidly. If you see campaigns on fast food chains, they are actually coming up with campaigns faster than they ever did. Like no longer the brands like McDonald's or Burger King, they don't just tend to have a good looking burger on their billboard. They are now coming up with styles and colors. And I don't know if that works. I've seen it on our market. So I think the visuals are changing so fast that licensing is also changing. Most of my clients would actually want licensing for a year or two. And then, you know, for restaurants, it's very different because they are not commercial in the sense that they are not big brands, they're restaurants. So they don't tend to want to pay licensing. And like I mentioned, you know, a lot of them are with me for so many years and they hire me every time they change their menu, which is often actually in our market. So I find that that kind of works out well for me, not having any kind of a limitation on what they The only limitation is obviously if I've taught them for the menu, they stay on the menu. If they use it for any other purpose, that's obviously a different charge and that's based on licensing. But if I've shot them for the menu, that's how I keep it. There's a one-time charge for that uh, and they use it for their menu. That is only relevant for restaurants. But then again, if I'm getting into commercial restaurants, the licensing is what they would buy the rights for a year or two. But like I said, I think I've seen so much of that even packaging. I recently did a packaging and they just wanted the rights for two years. And there's like, we might actually roll out a new packaging, a new something every two years. I don't know. Is that similar to how you work, where you work, or is it different? So it's um, somewhat similar, I would say, but definitely like when I'm providing the license of use, Usually I provide a two-year license and that is for the exact same reason that you just mentioned. And that is the relevance of the photos because after two years, who's going to use them? They're probably going to get another photo shoot done. So I, I used to shoot for a huge hospitality brand here, one of global hotel chains, and they brought out actually a very good point about license. So in our contract, we had a standard clause about two years of license. And then um, the marketing head came and he's like, you know what? In two years, who knows I'm going to be here or not? Who knows you're going to be here or not? People might still use your images. You're not going to come and hunt us down. So why don't you just put in a 10-year clause here? And then you just charge for it. So for the next 10 years, no one's going to hold anyone accountable. And you know they still have the license to use those images at whatever designated platforms or wherever they were. So I was like, that's such a cool idea. And especially if a brand can pay for that, where they are like, okay, we'll just, you know, just add it to your fee, whatever that means. 
So it definitely works like that. That client seems like a good client. My clients yes. are going to be like, oh, we're never going to use it. <laughs> well, this is a global hotel chain. So they are big and they could probably afford it. But a smaller brand might see it differently. The other thing I want to ask you, Kulsum, is that why do you think, like, why do you think that packaging photography requires a higher fee? Like as a photographer, you should charge a higher fee. What is it that makes it of that value? Uh, definitely the reach. Um, the amount of people, uh, and obviously, again, depends on the brand as well, how big the brand is and what is the reachability of that brand. If you're going to put the most of the things I've shot are actually frozen foods or those kind of packaging. And you are in every corner in Kuwait and sometimes even in Middle East. Uh, you are you are a household name. Your people are buying. So many people are going to see that image. So many people are make, going to make that purchase based on that imagery. So the reach, honestly, it's just the... Um, you are no longer just a billboard even where people are just going to pass by in a certain area. This is a co-op item. You are selling it in every co-op in Kuwait. Uh, your reachability is high. Uh, people take this to your house based on the photo you have. So this is completely different dynamics there. A lot of times I've found that that requires educate even on a client part sometimes. Um, I work with clients who are not even in the business of packaging, but are recently getting into it. Uh, and sometimes, yes, they come up with these questions that, where is this pricing come from? And it's always nice to actually sit down and uh, either email them. Uh, and I, one thing I've learned from my business in 10 years that I can write off people because of the ignorance they might have because I feel like we, I learned from nothing. I personally learned from nothing. So when people don't know something, I don't mind sitting down and explaining to them. You know, sometimes a lot of photographers would get offended that they've been asked a certain thing that why am I supposed to explain it to you? I personally uh, come from a place where I like to sit down and take my client's opinion and take them into the confidence that what I'm doing actually holds value and this is going to be valuable to you. And uh, that just comes from the part that I come from nowhere. <laughs> I learned from nothing. So um, I've seen that 90% of times it actually helps us create really good relationships with clients and they start appreciating it. And I think actually what happens is it makes it easier for the future photographers they work with. If I, you know, the next client or the next photographer they're going to work with, they probably don't have to explain so much. So it's good to have that education and it's okay to have that conversation with clients. And it's okay if they think that you're overcharging, you can sit them down and say, hey, listen, this is this, this is this. And if you still feel that way, Maybe you can find a photographer who meets your range more accurately, you know. So um, there's no harm in conversation is what I've realized. And I think photographers undercharge all the time, you know. And especially if you're working with a big brand, you definitely, you're like, oh, you know, okay, this is good enough for me. At least I'm getting the name in my portfolio. So I think I really like that you brought up the point about the reach. You know, the kind of photography that you're creating and how many people are going to see and where it's sitting. Is it sitting in a magazine on one page? Is it sitting on a shelf in 20 different stores around the world? Like that is such a huge criteria for us determining what should be the fee for the project. And that's why packaging is so high value because... You know, if you're in McDonald's, you know exactly that you're going to see it in like at least 
hundred hundred different locations and, within the same country. So, yeah, and I think what happens is, you know, we as passionate photographers, you're going to take every small project with the same passion and the same kind of investment of time and value and your mind, a body space, <laughs> and um, so when. You know, the client is going to sell you the idea that it's the same amount of work, you know. Uh, oh, you know, we might be using it on a larger scale, but for you, it's the same amount of work. And um, that's not how it works. Your passion comes from your place, but the reachability is what you need to charge for. Fantastic. I love that point. Kulsum, this has been such a great conversation. I have one last question before we sum it up. And... That is for anyone who is looking, any food photographer who is looking to build a career in commercial food photography. And when I say commercial food photography, I literally mean everything that is for a commercial purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, for any photographer who's wanting to go that route, can you share like three, mm -hmm. maybe your three top tips on how they should build their portfolio mm -hmm. so they can also work with hotshot brands like Costa Coffee and Delivery Room and Applebee's, you know. So your three top tips for a photography portfolio, what would they be? Uh, there are so many I can go on. <laughs> <laughs> Find what you, like, let's say I'm thinking of Costa or um, a coffee brand. Add those, exact those products in your portfolio. It might seem very obvious, but sometimes we don't do that. I remember when I was uh, working with a burger brand, I think five guys or one of those. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yep. yep. Uh, and then uh, they asked me that, can you send me all your burger photos? You know, can you, can you send us all the burger photos you have ever taken? This was a while ago. And um, I've taken like a bazillion burger photos in my life just because burger is a big thing in Kuwait. So I, I realized at that point that I have never actually saved my burger images like as a portfolio because I'm not a big fan of portraying burger on my portfolio for some reason, because I just probably, I love burgers, but uh, for some reason it wasn't very prominent on my portfolio that I have shot a lot of burgers. Uh, and then I realized that I actually went ahead, made a whole presentation about and with the images and mood board and of how many burgers I've shot. And I actually had that client request that from me before I, I, I made it. So then I realized that how many burger brands I could actually reach with that presentation and it was just something I didn't do uh, for a lot long time that I didn't have burger photos on my portfolio so I would say that based on what and which client you're pitching to make sure you have their product and their photos and don't just give one give them a if you can scale it and at least produce five to six images in different styles different burgers and then you pitch to a client there's so much more probability of the actually uh, hiring you then to send a general portfolio with all the images but a burger if you are targeting a coffee brand send them photos very specific to that you know coffee images uh, so be very well study your brands and then target your portfolio you don't need to have one website general portfolio that works for everyone that is for people who are going to reach you instead of you reaching them out if you're reaching out to people be very specific they don't have time to go through all your images and all your portfolio. They just want to tell you whether, oh, she can shoot a nice burger, let me hire her, you know? So be very specific. That's, I think, number one when you're working as a commercial photographer. Second, and I think this is really, really, really important, is that do test shoots. Do test shoots and no lighting from the back of your hand. Um, 
until I didn't figure lighting, I was always so nervous on sets. I knew that I know what a good image looks like, but I didn't always know how to light it. And then once, once you get better at lighting, you know, you can, your client can tell you, oh, you know, this doesn't just look right. And you know, the right adjustment to make, you know, which light to change, you know, where to move it. And that confidence is so important. I remember being so, when I was still just figuring things out, like if the client told me that, hey, can we create this kind of look? Can we just slightly moderate that? And I was like, oh my God, how do you do that? So I would get so nervous because I didn't know so much about lighting at the time. So really just study light. Light is everything in photography. If you can figure out the different way light works and how light can help you create an imagery, and you are golden. So yeah, that's second. Uh, portfolio that's specific and then the lighting. It might sound like a cliche, but confidence, honestly. And even if you're nervous, you just have to fake it. You have to fake it. <laughs> yes. Uh, because when you're on a set with people like a creative director, an art director, an agency, there's a client as well. And if you don't show the confidence in the work you're creating, that's going to have a triple down effect and people are going to see that and then they're going to start finding fault in what you have done, even if it's perfect. Because I, I remember being naive at least eight or nine years ago. And, you know, I would be, there's a difference between being honest and being confident. You know, sometimes I would be super honest and I would tell on the set that I don't think I like this. And that's fine. You're creating better images, something different. But I was just being hard on myself rather than being honest, you know, and um, that would tickle down and they probably didn't have that much confidence. And now when I go on sets and I'm like, no, this is, this is great. I, I think I'm doing great. And, and not to fake it in the sense that you create an image that you're not happy with and call it great. That's not what I mean. Yeah. But there is, you know, sometimes you, there's so much self-doubt. There's so much self-doubt when you're working as a creative person. Um, you need to make sure that you create that kind of confidence on set. And then nobody is going to tell you anything. There's so much positive energy when you are confident around you. Fantastic. So is that three? Was it yes, three? It's, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so basically create the work that you want to be hired for. Second is that you work on your skill set and make sure that you know what you're doing. And the third one is create a good amount of body of work. So that you feel confident and you know what you're looking for uh, when you're on the set or working with a client. Okay, fantastic. I love it. I love it. It, it, it includes everything. It includes the client side, it includes the mindset, it includes skill set. Fantastic. This was amazing, Kulsum. You were awesome. I love this because I'm pretty certain that our listeners are going to be so pumped after listening to you, especially the way you, you built yourself up right from the ground, right? You started, you had no standards, you built everything. And today you yourself have probably become a standard in the market. So that's a huge achievement. I'm so grateful for you to be so open and just being so candid about your process and sharing that with our listeners so generously. So before you go, Kulsum, can you just share your social media handles and your wonderful, wonderful portfolio where our audience can come and take a look at your work? So everywhere on all my socials, uh, it's going to be Kulsum Kua, which is my spelling K-U-L-S-U-M and then K-U-N-W-A. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, 
though i mean i'm not going to reply to you on facebook but definitely on instagram you can also uh, check out my website that's the same akulsumkumar.com you can always reach out to me in over emails if you ever have more questions uh, one of the last things that i would say that i've grown so much and i've learned so much uh only because of the generosity of the people i have actually talked to professional photographers bloggers there's such a great community around this so if you ever have questions and stuff because i remember having like like such nervous nerves and knowing not knowing what to do and and not that i have i still do but um if you have questions you can always ask so well. amazing amazing thank you so much for being here thank you for being our first guest from the middle east thank you for adding that on our podcast map such a pleasure to have you it was so exciting speaking to you thank you kulsum thank you so that was kulsum and boy what a conversation that was right it was energetic it was power packed and so many value bombs loved it so i'm pretty certain for anyone who's looking to venture into commercial food photography or if you're already into food photography for commercial purposes i'm sure that you had tons of lessons and tips from kulsum i mean right from the gecko of you know how you position yourself how you pitch how you ask for branding information how do you work in the marketing do you position yourself as a photographer or also as an art director when do you hire a team how do you pay attention to lighting why is advertising different from restaurant photography and why is packaging more valuable and why you should charge more and when you should charge more and what is it that you should include in your contract wah 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 <laughs> what a conversation guys i just loved it and i hope you did too and i hope that you have had several takeaways from this episode if you have any questions please feel free to send them to kulsum she said she would be happy to help or you know where to find me you can always send me an email at hello@myfoodlens.com or a dm on instagram at ditama_myfoodlens we would be happy to help you in your commercial food photography endeavors With that I'm going to take a leave and I'm going to see you next week with another episode. Bye bye.